Chapter eighteen of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter eighteen Meditations that meant something. In due course of time, we were in a sort of quiet bustle in the Smith household. Not by any means such a state of excitement as there was before sickness came into our midst, yet we were getting ready for the wedding lida was still in becoming wrappers and spent most of her time on the couch or in the easiest chair and yet we were all decided that the marriage ceremony should take place there were several good reasons for this in the first place irving had received intimation that business reasons would soon take him south for several weeks and in family conclave we had each declared that nothing could be better for lida than to accompany him besides mrs solomon was growing restive she had never been so long away from solomon since their fortunes were joined and bravely as she had borne it it was plain to us all that now she was homesick as for the little bride she was sure of one thing that aunt maria must be present at her wedding so as i said the bustle of preparation was upon us all the details were as unlike as possible those others when she had been almost a wife the ceremony was to take place in the little sitting-room upstairs and the bride was to be dressed in a white cashmere wrapper instead of the white silk with lace overdress that lay in the drawer the physician had given it as his decided opinion that there should be an interval of several weeks between the marriage and the departure from home in order to allow our invalid time to recover from the first excitement before the fatigues of travel should be upon her and on being consulted in regard to her dress had given this brief and peremptory direction put her into the garment in which she can lie down the quickest and be the most comfortable after the minister has done his part by no means excite and exhaust her with fussy toilet we prepared to obey his instructions literally the only guests to be admitted were erskine and earl webster the latter had been a frequent caller since the day he had discovered mrs solomon smith in the store instead of all the pretty bridesmaids who had so distractedly flown away when trouble came laura was to do duty with erskine as a helper therefore the circle of preparations was of course wonderfully narrowed yet we contrived to get up a good degree of excitement. How is any one to avoid a certain amount of excitement in connection with that old story which is yet always so new? It was on a bright winter afternoon, when every detail was complete, and we had only to wait with what quietness we could for twelve o'clock of the next morning, that Mrs. Solomon summoned me as her attendant on an excursion earl webster wanted to go with me and kind of thought i better have him along to tend to things she explained but i couldn't bring my mind to it men is dreadful convenient sometimes and then again they are really in the way kind of flustrate you you know and make you believe that you want green when you was sure half an hour beforehand and will be sure forever afterwards that you didn't want green at all but red i always thought there was just about one man in life that i could stand when i went to buy anything and that was solomon 
it's been a good thing for me that i had him and nobody else you see we began by understanding each other solomon i say to him don't you think that this is the thing to do and solomon he looks it all over and maybe he says well no maria i can't say i see it in that light at all i think so and so would be enough sight the best well if it's about the farm or the stock or anything that he has a better right to know about than me i think it over and like enough i see at once that i was an old dunce and i don't mind saying so out and out but then again just as likely as not i think just exactly what i did before and then i say go ahead solomon i don't agree with you a mite but that's for you to settle but mind you if it is about the house or the garden or the hens or my clothes or the part of solomon's clothes that i manage he is just as quick as i and maybe a trifle quicker to tell me to go ahead so that i don't have to wear the thing he will say to me with one of them grave smiles of his if it happens to be a dress or a bonnet that we are discussing why it's all right and solomon ain't one of them mean kind of folks that is always puckering up their mouths and saying i told you so i don't believe he would say that whatever i did and that's the way we manage to my notion it is the only way for two folks who have brains to be of one mind take notes laura i said laughing for laura was looking at her with so intent a face that i was curious to know how the quaint old lady's notions impressed her she flushed deeply and turned away making no answer among other matters that were going on during this unexpectedly long visit to the city my daughter laura was being educated to certain views and positions that i felt sure would tell in marked ways for her future when we were fairly in the street mrs smith trotted along with brisk step and voluble tongue i'm going after elizabeth's wedding present she said and i don't believe you can guess what it is to be i could not indeed and as it had been the subject of laura's curious surmisings of course i was interested i fancied that it would be something useful and not very costly for a wise economy governed all her personal expenses and i did not believe she would feel justified in setting the young couple a lavish example still she was evidently impressed with the importance of her intended purchase i've laid awake nights thinking about it she admitted a bright flush of excitement on her dear old face at first i couldn't see my way clear at all and it bothered me that i couldn't and then when light began to dawn as to how it could be managed why i begun to bother my brains for fear that i had been too set in my way and one time i give it all up but it wouldn't stay give up i'd no sooner get it fixed and settle down on something else when it would come trotting back to me as though it wasn't fixed at all right in the middle of the night too it would come and stand by my bed and wake me up all of a sudden out of a sound sleep and say here i am now and i insist on being thought about you just wake up old woman and tend to me i declare i've been almost beat out with it some nights this was so funny a way of putting the story of my own trials by sleeplessness and perplexing thought 
that I'm afraid my laugh was more merry than sympathetic. But I questioned with renewed interest as to what the troublesome object was. Well, I'll just tell you, said Mrs. Smith, lowering her voice, as one about to make a confidential communication, it's a horse and wagon. Now, do you think I am an old goose? Amazement almost took from me the power of answering. Yes, she said, nodding her head and growing more satisfied, evidently, with her decision every moment. I've been all over it fifty times. You can't think of an objection that I haven't urged with all my might, just to see what the other side could say. I always do argue a thing out. Solomon ain't no hand to argue out loud. He just sets down a few square sentences and lets it go. But I don't, and I've learned to argue to myself. Especially if it is a thing that I want to do pretty bad, I make the other side of me take hold well, and I have a tough time before I get the consent of myself to do it. Expense? Dear me, yes. I've considered over every peck of oats that horse of theirs will ever eat. I've figured them up a hundred times if I have once, and a hundred ways for the matter of that. They never seemed willing to come out twice alike, and I suppose I've wrote a choir of paper about it to Solomon. But you see, it is just like this. Anybody can see that that child is going to need a good deal of petting and taking care of for some time to come. She needs to get out in the fresh air every day and stay out a good while. Now, how is she going to do it in this tucked-up city, where everything is a whirl and a jam, and there's such an awful noise that you don't hardly know what your name is half the time? There's nice, pleasant places, parks and quiet roads, and little patches that look almost like the country, if you can only get to them. But as for racketing along in the streetcars to em, I'd about as soon she would stay at home. What she needs is a horse and wagon and there's the getting to church. I'd like to have the child begin right, and I think she's disposed to. But how is she, in her weak state, going to get to the church where she'll think she ought to go, unless she rides on them commandment-breaking cars? To be sure, there is the church nearby, but you can't expect full-grown wings on a young bird. I shouldn't expect her to see her duty clear to that, with nobody to help her. The more I thought about it, the more it seemed to me that she ought to have a horse and wagon of her own. Well, then I talked with Jonas, and he was just as taken with the notion as he could be. Said he'd have got her one long ago if he could have afforded the money to buy it. Things don't look about the house as though he couldn't afford whatever he pleased, do they? But then, appearances is deceitful. He ain't forehanded at all. He talked real confidential with me about the note and the interest not being paid up and all. He seemed to feel bad, and I think he did. He has some queer notions, seems to think the living in style and all that is necessary to his business. Maybe it is. I'm only an old woman, but I don't believe it all the same, and I advised him to pay up his debts and let the looks go. I don't think he paid much attention to me. He was thinking about the horse and wagon. Well, he said he had a friend who had a stable on his place, and all the conveniences for keeping a horse, and didn't keep any, 
and had a boy who could be hired for a trifle to take care of the horse and harness it when it was wanted and he wouldn't be charged barn rent because he had done the man a kindness now and then in a business way and he would be glad to pay for it this way it sounds queer to hear folks talk about paying for kindnesses don't it but jonas means all right and the long and short of it is my mind is made up erskine and earl webster have both been on the lookout for me about a horse and erskine told me last night that he thought he had just the thing so now i'm after the wagon this very afternoon i didn't mean to put it off so long but them two was hard to suit with a horse and i knew a wagon could be bought in a hurry but are you going to get both horse and wagon i said appalled before such lavish gifts and wondering much whether she had any idea of the prices of these articles no she said briskly the wagon is to be my present but i've just been managing the business about getting a horse that's solomon's present he sets a good deal of store by elizabeth she's his only brother's child you know solomon is a master hand to come to conclusions you know i told you what great long letters i wrote to him going over all the arguments and being about as much on one side as t'other well this is every blessed word he wrote to me about it he never writes long letters solomon thinks things but he says he ain't good at getting them on to paper says he maria pears to me you're a little mixed if elizabeth needs a horse for her health and if it will help keep her out of the way of temptation to doing wrong and if jonas and the young man are willing to have the expense of taking care of it i should think the whole thing was in a nutshell and there wa'n't no more use in talking and then he went on telling me about the school and the new books in the library and the present to the minister and not another word about a horse or wagon did you ever see a straighter road to a conclusion than that and her sweet old face beamed with her pride in solomon nevertheless she proceeded to tell me what a careful and intelligent estimate she had made of the expense of keeping a horse with stable rent and attendance counted out and of the heavy expense of car tickets to balance the other and made it clear at least to her own mind that in the end the thing was an economy borrowing a stable and another man's boy won't always last she said with a little sniff of her practical nose kindnesses that are being given as pay ain't of much account and can't be depended on but then who knows what may happen maybe elizabeth will get strong so she won't need a horse and then they can sell him for a penny or maybe the young man will prosper and can afford to build a barn and take time to look after his own horse or maybe the horse will die and so won't need to be looked after what's the use of going ahead and borrowing trouble about it i'm going to buy my wagon this very day and here's one of the places earl told me to come to whereupon she halted before a six-story building large enough to contain wagons for the million and boldly pushed her way into the elegant ware-room lined on every side with carriages large and small gold-mounted and plush-lined as well as some of the plainer sort many misgivings beset me 
what sort of a wagon did the dear old lady think her pretty city flower would ride in i recalled the plain old-fashioned two-seated spring wagon in which mr and mrs solomon smith had rode to church ever since i had known them long ago all the paint had been washed from it the wheels were large and clumsy the box was high and the whole appearance ungainly yet i knew that mrs smith was attached to it and considered it comfortable and quite good enough did some such idea present itself to her as a part of Lita's outfit? Why had she not allowed Erskine or Earl Webster, or even Laura, to accompany her, that they might have tempered her enthusiasm with their educated judgment? For myself, I felt powerless in her hands, being always aware that my influence over her was as nothing compared with Laura's there was one relieving thought however to my anxieties the character of the establishment in which we were rendered it all but impossible that we should find other than the most unexceptionable outfits it would probably end in utter dismay on the benevolent old lady's part i was sure she had no relative ideas of the prices of the wagons of which she so gaily talked there were so many and such beauties on exhibition that while we waited for a disengaged pilot we wandered different ways gazing with admiring eyes presently one who proved to be a proprietor came first to me and looking around for mrs solomon she was nowhere to be seen so explaining that i was merely accompanying another i still ventured to inquire the price of the little buggy before which i stood one of the plainest in the great room and one which i even doubted whether irving and lida would feel that they could climb into yet i groaned inwardly over the announcement that that was a second-hand affair and could be sold for two hundred dollars two hundred dollars i was almost certain that mrs solomon expected to get the desire of her heart for about fifty and surely that would be a liberal wedding gift from her if she could but content herself with a lace collar or a diamond ring or a set of handkerchiefs as others did while we waited she came toward me walking rapidly her face unusually flushed well i declare she said dropping into a vacant chair and ignoring the gentleman i've had such a turn i'm just about beat did you notice that horse and wagon standing down by that south door I hadn't noticed it. Well, now, before we go, I want you just to walk down that way and look at him. Such a fiery fellow I haven't seen since Solomon had a colt twenty years ago that came near breaking our necks. There he stands, right in the room. For pity's sake, says I to myself, if that ain't the queerest thing to let a horse come into a room like this, what in the world do they do that for? there seemed to be kind of a road there though and i thought it was the place where the horses were let in to draw out the wagons but to stand there without being tied seemed to me a most dreadful dangerous thing oh you never see a horse look more as if he would like to eat everybody up than that one does i walked off a little way from him thinks i to myself if he took a notion to kick and he looks as if he would like nothing better he could reach me with them heels of his 
well i turned to look at something else and when i looked back again don't you believe a woman stood as close to that horse as you are to me with her back to him at that my heart flew right into my mouth i expected to see her kicked to death every second it took me more than a minute i do believe to pluck up courage to step back and try to warn her quietly like to move on so as not to scare that horse it just seemed to me that i couldn't take a step and i don't believe i should till this time if i hadn't just happened to think what if worse came to worst and there was an accident how ashamed solomon would be of me then i went back and after all that don't you believe that horse was made of wood i never heard any one give a more hearty or delighted laugh than did the gentleman who was politely awaiting our wishes so our trademark frightened you he said stepping towards mrs smith that is a compliment to his naturalness but he ought to know better than that the scamp however you are not the only one who has been cheated the children invariably run from him and occasionally we catch the ladies mrs smith had already recovered from the first effects of her fright and her eyes had assumed that thoughtful far-away expression which told those familiar with her that there was some curious association of ideas working in her mind did you ever read pilgrim's progress she asked apparently observing the gentleman for the first time and addressing him suddenly i thought of it the moment i found out that that horse was made of wood what a time poor fearful had over them lions and they was nothing but stone that made me think of the verse that the slothful man says when he wants an excuse for not doing his duty there's a lion in the way he cries you know i wonder if half our crosses are made of wood what do you think sir if we should step boldly up to them and try to do our best do you suppose a good many of them would be as harmless as your horse End of chapter 18